Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Vincent Pieri, and I am a pastoral fellow here at High Point. And what that means is that I just finished seminary, and this is my first full-time ministry job after seminary, which is very fun and exciting for me, and often a very unpleasant task for High Point, as they... As they uh, have to deal with all my beginner's mistakes that I hopefully won't continue to make for the rest of my time in ministry. I'm also the worship director here, which means this is a service off for me from leading worship, which is always a treat. And it was uh, just great to worship along with Debbie and Joel and their team, who did a fantastic job. Amen. Amen. I moved to Madison uh, two and a half months ago from the Chicago suburbs, and I got to tell you, I have not seen something like this happen in the churches in Chicago. Maybe it's happened and I just haven't known about it, but to see a bunch of churches like this coming together for one service is really an amazing thing, to see that kind of easy. Yep. It's a huge encouragement to me, and it's an honor to be able to give the message today as a newcomer and as someone that uh, most of you in this room have never seen before. So thank you in advance for listening to this message. We do come here today to mourn the death of Jesus. And this is always a tricky thing because as Christians, we know how the story ends. We know that the resurrection is coming two days from now. So it's hard to stay in that posture of mourning. But we also know that we can't experience the full joy and glory of the resurrection until we feel the weight of Good Friday. And Good Friday was not good at the time. It was a terrible day for the disciples who lost their friend and their leader and the person on whom they had pinned all their hopes. So for this service, we are going to stay in that posture of mourning and we are going to mourn the loss that was truly a loss for those two days. And now sometimes on Good Friday, we... You know, we walk through the story of the crucifixion and we talk about the nails and we talk about the thorns and we um, try to relive what Jesus experienced and then we walk out just filled with gratitude. And that's a great way to commemorate Good Friday. But today is going to be um, a little more of a sermon than a eulogy or just a remembrance. And I think that's appropriate for today because any time that we have a funeral for someone who truly lived a remarkable life, there is an element of that funeral that feels like a sermon. And for people outside the church, oftentimes that's the closest thing that they'll ever get to a sermon. Because as people remember the way that someone lived, who lived a remarkable life, there is a challenge in that to all of us. And if the disciples had had a funeral for Jesus, and maybe they, maybe they had some kind of service, we don't know, but if they had, there would have been plenty of things that they could have remembered that would have convicted them and moved them to greater faithfulness to God, whether they talked about his leadership or his teachings or his compassion or his humility or his supernatural gifting, whatever it was, as they remembered who Jesus was, they would have been moved to obey the Lord more closely. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about just one thing about Jesus 
that I believe as we think about and we remember, it will convict us and it will move us towards greater faithfulness to God. And here's that thing. The thing I want to talk about today is Jesus' own remarkable ability to stay faithful to God in the midst of the storm of his own emotions. And that might sound a little unexpected or a little abstract, but this has convicted me so much as I've been preparing for this message and challenged me so much and encouraged me so much. And I think that it will be encouraging and challenging for all of us because Jesus was able to stay faithful through the same emotional struggle that we all go through. Because for all of us, there is truth about God that moves us toward obedience, that we all know God's holiness, the fact that he's all-loving and all-powerful, the fact that he put his Holy Spirit in us who guides us and leads us and makes us more holy, the fact that this entire life is just a brief moment before we go to eternal bliss with God. The truth in our worldview of Christianity is all that we need to stay faithful. And if we were able to live in that truth only, if that was our daily experience was just those truths, we would never be tempted. We would never want anything else because we would just be so focused on that. But what happens is that the circumstances of life produce emotions in us that will lead us away from that, will tempt us away from that. And obedience hangs in the balance of our ability to hang on to the truth of Scripture and to navigate our own emotions. This is especially um, a struggle for me. As a musician, I exhibit the uh, typical artist temperament that many artists have, where you have very high highs and very low lows. And I have noticed that if I don't take special care of my own emotions and pay attention to them, that they will move me in a bad direction. Let me give you some examples of how this often works in our lives so you can see yourself in this, because this is something that we all wrestle through. Maybe you're a a single parent, a single mom, maybe just a single person, and you know you have the truth that God cares about you, and he's with you every single day. But when you walk into church and you're surrounded by people with their seemingly perfect little families, you experience feelings of loneliness, and you experience feelings of why do I have to be the one to go through this? And those emotions are not a sin. Those emotions are legitimate. We're going to see that Jesus dealt with those same emotions. But in that loneliness, it is easy to move towards resentment towards God or move towards bitterness or move towards relationships that are not healthy for you. Or maybe you're here with your family and you have the life that looks like the seemingly perfect life, but you look at your spouse and you're like, my spouse is a mess. And you look at your kids and you're like, my kids' lives are a mess. And you have this belief that God is and God is in control, and you have nothing to fear, but life feels chaotic. And in that feeling of chaos, it is easy to not treat your family the way that you should and not love them the way that you should and move towards vice. And in some level, all temptation is part of this emotional thing. We never logically think that sin is the better option. We know that God's way produces peace and joy and happiness and all that we could ever need. But in the moment of temptation, sin feels right. 
and it feels like we deserve it, and it feels like the right decision to make. Like I said, emotions are not bad, but often they can come in between the way of us and obedience to God. And this tension between the truth and our emotions is not unique to us. Jesus went to the cross in the midst of that emotional conflict. Jesus knew all the truth that he could ever need to go to the cross with his head held high. Yes, dreading the pain that he was about to experience, but in full confidence knowing that this is exactly what God had planned for him to do. Take a look at some verses with me really quickly. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He was almost stoned for this after he said this because he had declared that he and God were equals and that there was such intimacy there. Jesus knew that he could never be actually separated from the Father. In Mar, uh, Luke 9.22, Jesus says this, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus knew that he was going to have to die, and he also knew that he was not going to stay in the grave, that he was going to rise again, and that he was going to have victory over it. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus said this, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus understood that not only was he just being obedient to God, but he was being obedient in a way that was going to bring redemption for millions of people, including those of us in this room, for thousands of years. Jesus knew that he was fulfilling all of the Old Testament expectations for who the Messiah was going to be. Jesus had all the truth that he needed to go to the cross with confidence. Yes, dreading the pain, but with confidence that is in the center of the will of God. But do you know what he said when he was on the cross? My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? It's not like he forgot. It's not like he didn't know all the things that he had been communicating to people all along. But Jesus was in the center of this emotional conflict. That he knew all these things were true, but he felt completely abandoned. And he felt alone. And he felt the tension of this why question the same way that me and you ask the why question. We say, why did I have to go through that? Why do I have to go through that? Why is this the life that God has given me? Jesus felt that why just as much as me and you. But he stayed there. He stayed on the cross. And that's the most amazing part is that Jesus had a kill switch the whole time where he could have ended the suffering. He made that clear in the garden right after Peter strikes the servant of the high priest. Jesus says to him this, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? I don't know exactly how much power 12 legions of angels have, but I'm guessing they would have enough power to whisk Jesus off the cross to a place of safety, to do whatever damage to the people who were hurting him that needed to be done, to heal the nail wounds. Jesus 
stayed on the cross knowing that at any moment he could leave and he could have relief. Jesus had a remarkable ability to hang on to the truth of who God was even though inside he wasn't feeling any of it. And to stay obedient when he had the ability to walk away. And he did it for me and you. He did it for all of us here in this room and all of the Christians and for all the world throughout history. So, here's what's at stake for us. How how can we learn from this? How can we learn to emulate this level of obedience? Because if we had a tenth of the fortitude that Jesus demonstrated, our lives would be completely different. We would have a victory over sin that we've never experienced before. We would treat people in better ways than we've ever treated them before. We would have different relationships with our family members. We would handle the church differently. We would make an impact on the community. We would change the city. If in the moment when God felt most distant, we could still be as obedient as God is calling us to be. So how does Jesus do this? And yes, on one level, he was God. So there wasn't anything else he would have done. But I love the scripture because it shows us Jesus preparing for this moment. He prepares for this emotional struggle, and I believe that he gives us two disciplines that we can model. I don't know if Jesus did these all throughout his life, but he does two very distinct things as he's preparing for this conflict on the cross within himself. Two things with his emotions that we're going to look at. Two disciplines to stay faithful through our feelings that Jesus models. The first one is this, to bring our emotions to other Christians. This is exactly what Jesus does. Yes, they were not Christians at the time because there were no Christians at the time. But Jesus brings his emotions to the people closest to him. Look at Matthew 26, 36. It says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. This is before the crucifixion. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. There are martyrs who have gone to their deaths singing hymns, with smiles on their faces. And Jesus, knowing this, you think that he might have tried to put on a face, that he was ready for it, especially after he's already communicated to his disciples so many times that he knows exactly what's going to happen and exactly why it needs to happen. But Jesus is completely vulnerable. He's completely unashamed of what's going on inside him. And he says, guys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And we would do well to learn from this. And if you've ever felt guilty about the the emotions inside you that arise from the difficulty of life, you need to pay attention to this. Because emotions are not a sign of immaturity. And having fewer emotions is not a sign of greater spiritual maturity. If that was the case, Jesus would not have had any emotions. But he did. And he demonstrated that 
clearly. So often we think, man, if I just had more faith, if I just believed in God more, if I just read the Bible more, if I just prayed more, then when difficult times came my way, I would experience something different. I would just experience joy. I would experience passion. I would be ready to do whatever God wanted me to do. But Jesus had full access to truth. He had full access to God. He walked in complete obedience to God. He had the perfect relationship with the Father. And when God called him to do this thing, he still said, my soul is full of sorrow to the point of death. So if that has been your experience, you need to learn, and we need to learn to not be ashamed of what's going on inside us. It's not a sign of sin. It's not a sign that we're doing something wrong. When life causes us to face these emotions. We need to open up. We need to share them with someone. We need to get someone and approach them the same way Jesus did and say, watch and pray with me for my soul is sorrowful. And if, if you have someone come to you with that request, you can't just jump to, oh, well, you just need to trust God more or everything happens for a reason or it's all going to be in the okay. It's all going to be okay in the end. Jesus knew all of those things, but he needed someone to watch and pray with him. And we need to learn to do that for one another. That's the first discipline, being willing to bring our emotions to other people. And the second one is this, to bring our emotions to God. And for whatever reason, I think, at least for me, this is the harder one. As hard as it is to be vulnerable with other people, I think it is harder to be vulnerable with God, but that is exactly what Jesus models for us. Take a look at Matthew 26, 39. This is right after he's spoken to his disciples, and he said, watch and pray with me. Then, it's, then this happens. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. If you've grown up in the church, you've heard this verse so many times that it, we lose the magnitude of it. But you have to realize what's going on here. Jesus is praying to God something that he knows God is going to say no to. He already knows the path. He already knows what he's called to. He's already shared it with a bunch of other people. He knows that it's going to fulfill the scriptures, but he still comes to God and he says, if there's any way, could you please take this cup from me? And he doesn't do that to try to change the course of history. He does it because he wants to be vulnerable with God. He wants to share his emotions with God. He doesn't want there to be any space where he's not been transparent with God. And that is the same thing that we are called to. If we believe the gospel, if we believe that we are not supposed to get our act together and then come to God once we've got everything fixed up, that is especially true when it comes to our inner life. We come to God with our fear. We come to God with our questions of why. We come to God with our pain. We come to God with our frustration. And we lay it all out there. That is the unexpected and beautiful nature of Jesus. In his perfect divinity and in his perfect humanity, he still brought his emotions to God that were pulling him away from obedience. And he even asked for permission permission to follow another path. When was the last time you were that honest with God? Where you said, 
God, I know this isn't what you want from me, but I'm still going to ask it because that's what God wants from us. He wants that level of openness. He wants that level of authenticity. He wants that level of transparency. And as long as you end that prayer the same way that Jesus did, you're in the right place where he says this, yet not as I will, but as you will. Whatever is inside you, we are meant to bring it to God just like Jesus did. If we want to have fortitude that Jesus had, if we want to learn from the example that he gave us in his road to the cross and in his death, we need to be willing to take on these disciplines, to bring our emotions to the people around us who love us and care about us, and to bring our emotions to God. I want to say one more thing in closing. This is so important because Satan loves when we feel alone. He loves when we go through life thinking, I'm the only one who goes through this struggle. I'm the only one who has a life like this. I'm the only one that has to face the things going on in my life. I'm the only one in this conflict. No one else has to shoulder this burden except for me, and probably no one else could shoulder it. When we have that feeling of isolation, we crumble under temptation every time. But when we are willing to submit to these disciplines, we realize that we are not alone in them and that the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 are very true, that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Satan loves when we feel like what we are going through is uncommon. But it's not. And the words that the writer of Hebrews says are just as true also. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. That emotional struggle we go through between the truth of what the Bible says and the feelings that come from living the life that God has called us to. Jesus was in that struggle and he experienced those weaknesses the exact same way that we do. And yet he did not sin. So as we think about the beatings that Jesus received and as we think about the cross being carried and as we think about the thorns on his head and as we think about the nails in his body, we need to remember that he did not go through that in confidence. He went through that in a place of psychological and emotional weakness. He went through that feeling incredibly distant from God. And he went through it for me and for you. And that should inspire us to an obedience that is bigger than what we feel day to day, that is based in the truth of what Scripture says, that God is with us, that he loves us, that he forgives us, and that he has a purpose for our lives. Let's pray. God, this truth is hard to wrap our minds around. That somehow Jesus, even though he was perfect, 
face these types of emotions. Lord, let that fill us with your grace that you have so much grace for whatever is going on inside of us. Lord, teach us to be vulnerable with one another. Teach us to be vulnerable with you, God. Let us have victory over what we feel and allow us to walk in the truth that your scripture says so that we can have greater obedience to you day after day that we can move your kingdom forward. And God, as we continue to reflect and to remember what your son Jesus Christ did for us, Lord, help us to be filled with gratitude. God, for the... Your name. Amen. Amen.